Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Numbers. Good morning, faithful listeners. Thanks for tuning in to the Bible Explained podcast. And hi, my name is Jen. I am the host here. And I'm just so happy that you are joining me for a cup of coffee and also some scripture reading and discussing today out of Numbers chapter 13. We're really getting into like the storytelling parts of Numbers, which is just a lot of fun for me. So let's go ahead and talk about Numbers chapter 13. We're going to read the entire thing today. There's just no good stopping point. It's one big story. So this is 33 verses. We're going to start in verse 1 of Numbers chapter 13. So grab whatever version of the Bible you read out of to read along with me, or just sit back and relax, enjoy a cup of coffee. But I do like to say that if you aren't reading your Bible right now, I love for you to go back at some point when you are free to read it for yourselves. Don't just take my word for it. Read the scriptures because you don't know if I might be saying something wrong (laughs) if you don't read it for yourself. So that's something that I am passionate about, that you guys are actually getting into the Word and reading it. But let's go ahead and talk about Numbers 13 today, and let's start in verse 1. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Send men that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a prince among them. Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the commandment of Yahweh. All of them were men who were heads of the children of Israel, and these were their names. Of the tribe of Reuben, Shamua the son of Zakur. Of the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat the son of Hori. Of the tribe of Judah, Caleb the son of Jephunneh. Of the tribe of Issachar, Egol the son of Joseph. Of the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea the son of Nun. Of the tribe of Benjamin, Palti the son of Raphu. Of the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodi. Of the tribe of Joseph, of the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi. Of the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gamali. Of the tribe of Asher, Sether, the son of Michael. Of the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Vopshi. Of the tribe of Gad, Gaul, the son of Maki. These are the names of the men who Moses sent out to spy the land. Moses called Hoshea the son of Nun, or Joshua. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way by the south and go up into the hill country. See the land, what it is, and the people who dwell therein, whether they are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and what the land is they dwell in, whether it's good or bad, and what cities they are to dwell in, whether in camps or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it is fertile or poor, whether there is wood therein or not. Be courageous and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob, to the entrance of Hamath. And the sons of the children of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. They came to the valley of Eshkol and cut down from there a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bore it on a staff between two. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the children of Israel had cut down from there. 
They returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days. And when they came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel to the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, they brought back word to them and all the congregation. They showed them the fruit of the land and they told them and said, We came to this land where you sent us. Surely it flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Amalek dwells in the land of the south. The Hittite, the Jebusite, and the Amorite dwell in the hill country. The Canaanite dwells by the sea and along the side of the Jordan. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let's go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who went up with him said, We aren't able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They brought up an evil report of the land which they had spied out to the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that eats up its inhabitants, and all the people who we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Okay, one of my favorite episodes I ever did was uh, actually one of my first episodes, which was talking about the Nephilim back in Genesis. And here they are again mentioned in scripture. If you didn't listen to that episode, which was like two years ago when I first started this podcast, it might be a good one to listen to if you don't know what Nephilim are. But basically, back in the time of Noah, there were these people all around called Nephilim. Now, Noah was not a Nephilim or a Nephilite, I suppose. He was just an ordinary person. But Nephilim were actually people who, I argue, were uh, fallen angels that had come down to earth and had sex with regular women because the women of the earth were beautiful. And it says that the children of God looked at the women and said they were beautiful. They became fallen angels, or maybe they already were, and uh, they ended up creating these Nephilim, which were men of great stature. In other words, they were giants. And also they were warriors. And because they were like all over the world, these Nephilim, they eventually passed down the generations uh, through Noah's bloodline. Now, Noah himself was not a Nephilim. That's pretty clear through scripture. But... It's likely that one of Noah's sons was married to a Nephilite woman. And so that is why uh, Nephilim still existed thousands of, well, maybe a couple thousands of years later after the flood had happened. That is why we are seeing Nephilim here at the very end. In verse 33, when they, when the uh, spies give a bad report, they say, we saw the Nephilim who came from the Nephilim, the sons of Anak who came from the Nephilim. And they're saying, you know, these guys are giants that inhabit the land and we're like grasshoppers compared to them. Now, of course, that is a huge exaggeration because giants aren't really that big <laughs> as compared to the average person. Even if people were shorter back in these days, yeah, it would not be like grasshoppers. That's ridiculous. OK, but anyway, let's go ahead and talk about verse one where it says Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, send the men that they can spy out the land of Canaan. Now, why would God have spies go into the land of Canaan? In fact, that was my biggest question when I started reading this was, why would God send men into Canaan? God already knew he was going to give the land to the people. So why did he send people in there? 
And so there's a verse actually in Deuteronomy where some some men had actually gone to Moses to ask to spy out the land. So I believe God kind of just humored them and allowed them to go into the land because they had wanted it. They had asked for it. And Moses had also asked God if it was okay for men to go in and spy out the land. And so, yes, God agreed. He said, okay, send men into Canaan so that they can spy it out. And so I think this was for several reasons. Firstly, I think it was to test the people's hearts to see what would happen when they saw how strong the people were. I think it was to test them. And I think also the second reason was to form a battle plan because that's kind of what Moses is doing here because he tells the spies before they go out to see whether or not the people are like nomads, whether or not they have like big cities or if they live in tents, how strong they are. So this was really in Moses's mind to form a battle plan to go into the land of Canaan and take it for themselves. So personally, I believe those are the two reasons why God allowed the people to go, to test them and also to give them a good idea of what they needed to do to go into the land and efficiently take it because God was in fact giving this land to his people. And we see why way back when Abraham was still alive, like 500 years prior to this, God told Abraham that his descendants were going to take the land of Canaan. What God had said to Abraham at that time period was, but I'm not going to give it to them yet because the sins of the people that live in Canaan are not complete yet. We see that God said that. And that was 500 years prior to this. So God knew that the people of the land of Canaan were going to continue to get worse and worse and worse and worse with their idolatry and uh, their sins and their sexual acts and and their uh, human sacrifices and whatever else they did back in these days. He knew that they were going to get worse and he was going to give the Israelite people, Abraham's descendants, the land. Apparently, the sins of the Amorites and the Canaanites were complete. So God was now telling his people to move into the land. And really that just shows like the mercy and grace of God, I suppose. Because the people of Amorite 500 years prior to this were already pretty bad at that point. But yet he was very gracious to them for hundreds of years before he ends up kicking the Canaanites out of their land. So anyway, after this, Moses calls the, the spies together and tells them to search out the land and bring back some fruit so they know what grows there, uh, bring back um, some grapes and whatever else, and then also to see if there is wood there, if there is just farmlands there, whether the land is good, and also um, what the people are like. So he's forming a battle plan in his mind and sending these spies out. And the person that was supposed to lead these spies was Hosea. And it's interesting because we've seen Joshua throughout all of this. And I don't believe his original name, Hosea, has been mentioned yet. But Hosea actually means salvation. And Joshua means God is salvation. So that just shows where Joshua's heart was, that he changed his name to Joshua to say that I, Hosea, am not salvation, but God is salvation. But I think that's kind of cool that Hosea became Joshua 
they were the same person, but uh, Joshua took on the name Yahweh is my salvation. So anyway, he sends all of them out. And so here's what happens. They go into the land for 40 days. They search everything. They're looking at the soil, the fruits, the vegetables, whatever else. And it says here that they actually got a branch with one cluster of grapes on it that was so big that they had to have two people carry it. That's how big these grapes were, or rather how fertile this land was, that they had so much grapes in one cluster that two men actually had to carry it. I found that so cool. I was like, wow, that's pretty nifty. I mean, I've seen, I I live in like grape country and in September, the grapes are very fertile and you can smell them. And uh, I live in like wine country, but grapes clusters do not get huge like that, at least not around where I live. Typically, a big grape cluster from what I've seen is about the size of like maybe your hand, I would guess. So I've never seen a grape cluster that gets as large as this ever. That is how good this land was, that it was able to produce so many grapes and whatever. So they bring back all this stuff. They give a report of the land. And so here's what happens. The, the men all come back. They are terrified, or rather, all of them are terrified except for Caleb and Joshua. So the re- rest of the men who went out were horrified. And they're just like, the land is good. Like it's flowing with milk and honey, like, like God said. But there's giants there, but there's fortified cities, but there's no way we can go in and take this land. No way. There's too many different types of people that are living there. We just can't do it. But here's Caleb. This is funny. In verse 30, it says, he stilled the people before Moses and he's like, let's go up at once and take it for we are able to overcome it. I love Caleb. I think he is such a cool person. He is just as cool when he is an old guy, because when he was an old guy, he was still like doing battle. And uh, like he felt like he was 20 years old because God gave him this like warrior spirit. So Caleb was just a very uh, interesting person. And fun fact, he was from the tribe of Judah. So Caleb is the only spy besides Joshua that was like, no, let's go in and take this land. We can do it. God is on our side. God promised it to us. There's no way we won't be able to do it. But in verse 31, here's what it says. The men who went up with him said, we can't do it. So they start yelling at Caleb. They're stirring up the people, getting everybody all scared and horrified. And they're exaggerating and lying and forgetting about God's promise. Because what did God say at the very beginning of all this in verse one or verse two? He says, I am giving this land to the to the children of Israel. When somebody gives you a gift, it's There's typically not too much you got to do with that gift, not too often, not too much work. So if God is giving the land to his people, it sounds to me like he's just giving it to them. And if they would have gone up to possess it the way God wanted them to, it would have been a pretty easy battle and they would have been able to go in and do it. But the people were scared. The spies were scared and they were stirring up the people and lying. And here's what they say. You know, these Nephilim, these giants, we were like grasshoppers to them. You know, we're so small and there's so many people that live there. How are we going to be able to uh, kick them all out? And he's like, the land eats up its inhabitants. What does that even mean? Like, why did they even say that? I don't even get why they said that. That just seems 
really stupid to me, but that's what they say. And, you know, they just do all this stuff. But here's the thing about this, and I'm going to end with this. We do this. I am one of those spies that sees a problem in front of me, even though God said, like, go ahead and do this. I see a problem and I'm just like, "Uh uh-uh, can't do that. You know, look at this. There's a problem right there. I just can't do it, God. And I lose my faith. So I can make fun of these spies all I want and say like, oh, you know, they didn't trust in God's promises. Well, I don't either. So we got to really be intentional about trusting in God's promises, even though it looks very difficult. And maybe, maybe it is difficult. But even though it looks difficult, if God called you to do something or if God called me to do something, I'm still supposed to go and do it. And God is going to help me every step of the way. Like, for example, with this this podcast, you know, problems are always arising. And whenever one does, I'm not even joking. I have like a temper tantrum in my mind. And I'm just like, I'm giving up. I'm done with the podcast today. I'm This is the last day I'm doing it because I have no internet or because my my editing isn't going well. And I do this. I'm not even joking. I do. And I can imagine, you know, God is very, very nice to me because <laughs> I'd be irritated with somebody that was doing the same thing I was doing. But anyway, my point is we often act like the spies who sees the problem and are afraid and aren't trusting in God's promises that he's going to lead us where he calls us and he's going to equip us to do what he calls us to do. So we have to remember that even though it is difficult and even though we might go sometimes kicking and screaming into the direction God wants us to do, at least we are going, but we need to have faith that God is going to bring us through it. And I just know from personal experience that the times when I have had faith that something was going to work out were some of the most wonderful things that God has ever done for me. For example, this house that I just moved into last year. You know, I mean, the market was so crazy. We didn't think we were going to find a house anywhere. That was the one area, honestly, the one area, one where I can say that I did have faith that God was going to provide a house for us. And I prayed about it. And God did, in fact, provide a house for us. And it was a reasonable price in the market that we were in. And it was exactly, exactly what we were looking for, both for my husband and for me. So, I mean, God truly does work things out for people when they have faith, when they trust in him. And it's funny because even though I say that story, I still don't have faith a lot of times. And so I just need to remember this story here in Numbers chapter 13, where if these spies had had faith and gone into this land instead of riling themselves and the people up, then maybe, just maybe, they would have been saved so much heartache in the future because we're going to find out what happens next in Numbers chapter 14. So join me on Wednesday, and we'll discuss the rest of this on uh, Wednesday. But anyway, friends and faithful listeners, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please like it, share it on your social media platforms, and just let people know that this podcast exists. And as I say at the end of every podcast episode, happy listening and God 